December 21st, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, and Pevava Mudalaf, if you count from the bottom up, it's 19 lines up, three words before the end of the line, we'll return just two lines before what we finished with yesterday, the Gemara. For our purposes, we'll begin with a Beraita, Tanur Rabbanan. The Beraita cites Pasuk from Aseret HaDeberot, says, Lotignov, that's a Pasuk that we're all familiar with, don't steal, don't don't commit thievery. Yeah. How do you define geneva in that context? Explains the Biraita. The Pasuk is not talking about just stealing things, it's still talking about specifically stealing people, stealing lives, meaning kidnapping. How do you know that that's what the Pasuk is talking about? Asks the Biraita, Ata Omer Are you really making such a claim? Do you have proof for that? Or eno ela, perhaps it's instead, in its simple interpretation, it would appear at first glance, begonev mamon. Maybe it's only talking about, or specifically talking about, stealing things. Amarta explains the Beraita, se ulemad midot You should derive this law, the understanding of this pasuk, from one of the 13 midot, one of the 13 ways within which, with which we interpret the Torah. Of course, many of us, if not all of us, are familiar with this from the Siddur. At the beginning of the Siddur, we have the Rabbi Ishmael, the 13 midot with which Rabbi Ishmael records, the 13 ways of interpreting law from the Torah. One of them is, davar halamed It's a matter which is learned from its context. You pay specific attention to what's before, perhaps what's after. Uh, we descri- you describe and understand that halakha based on where it's presented in the Torah. Instead of understanding it in a vacuum, instead of removing it from its context, understand it specifically instead within its context. And as a result, says, the, says this Beraita, let's do that with Lotignov, Bameha Katuv Medaber. What is the pasuk uh, talking about? Or what are the pesukim surrounding it? Or the laws that surround it? Referring to benefashot. They're referring to situations where the penalty, as Rashi explains it, is nefashot, uh, meaning you'll be put to death. Azeret HaDiberot has lotin af, has lotir sach. Don't take the life of another, don't commit adultery. And the penalty, the punishment for each of those is nefashot. In turn, lotignov, is necessarily, according to this understanding, going to be talking about something with the severity as well of dine nefashot, meaning gonev nefashot, afkan benefashot. That's the statement of this beraita that the pasuk lo tignov of aseret adberot, based on this midah called davar halamed me'inyano, is derived and understood to us to be referring to kidnapping. Tanya idach, we have another beraita, and this other beraita won't contradict it, it'll only fill it in with another pasuk. The Pasuk says in Parashat Kedoshim, Lo Tignovu. The Pasuk over there in plural, Lo Tignovu, is uh, referring to as well some sort of uh, stealing and robbery or theft. Begonev Mamon HaKatub Medaber. This time the Beraita says that Pasuk, in contrast to the Pasuk we were referring to until now from Parashat Yitro, is a reference to Gonev Mamon. It's talking about actually stealing money specifically or things. How do you know that that pasuk is talking about stealing money? Maybe it as well, as we suggested beforehand. The uh, pasuk in the Aseret HaDeberot of Geneva is referring to Gonev Nefashot. How do you know that in Parashat Kedoshim, there in Sefer Vayikra, where to a large extent, 
Parashat Kedoshim is reiterating and re-embracing and explaining. I said it to the bit also. You have reference to Lotignovu. Maybe it's the same uh, same robbery and uh, prohibition we're referring to. Zeumad, again, this Beraita says, what you should do is go out and study and derive this. Mishlosh from one of the 13 ways of uh, deriving law and understanding it. Uh, from the Torah, of, uh, in, in understanding the, the laws of the Torah. No, again, it's this midah which is called learn it from context. What is the context of that pasuk? It's referring to, in that specific segment of the Torah, matters of mamon, of, uh, of, of monetary loss or dealings. Uh, for example, Rashi quotes from the Pasuk 2 later, where it says, The Pasuk says that you shouldn't uh, be stealing from another. You shouldn't be uh, going after the Prophet. And that's what the Pesukim are referring to. Even that's, that Pasuk itself, about stealing and about denying is in the context, the understanding is. Uh, not of kidnapping per se, but of when you're going to then be confronted in court for taking the money of another Afghan, so too says the Biraita, Bemamon, we should understand that that pasuk of Lotignov is not referring to kidnapping, as was the pasuk earlier, that Lotignov, but rather to Gonev Mamon. Uh, that's what we have with regards to these Biraita. That's correct. Lotignov is not a reference to Genevat Mamon. We do have it referred to later on in Parashat Kedoshim. Aserita de Berot specifically and only refers to Gonev Nefashot. Says the Gemara Itmar. So now we have a Memra. This means that we're going to have a debate amongst or amidst Emoraim, um, rabbis from the time of the Gemara. Now this is going to be a very involved sugya. It's not per se going to be a very long one, but it's very involved. There are going to be intricate details that are important that we keep in mind because the Gemara is going to deduce. It's one of these uh, sugyot that comes up in several places, at least parts of it. That's a significant over here as well. Itmar, Ede Geneva ve'ede mechira benefesh shehuzamu. Uh, here's the issue. Um, we are familiar with, first and foremost, we've talked about Masechet Sanhedrin many times, the concept of Edim Zomimin. The Torah says, Defined as, if there are false conspiring witnesses who are caught and falsified, found to be false conspiring witnesses, by two others claiming about them, how could it be that you're testifying that this person did whatever you're saying that they did, punishable by whatever it is that it is, uh, you were with us on the day that you claim you saw that person violating that law. It can't be that you saw that. It can't be that you were present at that time. You were with us throughout the duration of that day or those hours or whatever it is. In such a circumstance, the witnesses who are called Aidim Zomin, the false conspiring witnesses, we punish them based on that which they conspired to do. They testified the person was Mehalel Shabbat, but it couldn't be you were there, you were with us on the other side of the world on that Shabbat. Uh, well, sorry to say it to you, you were conspiring to have him liable to mitat sekilah, being put to death by stoning, based on his violation of one of the 39 melachot. That's what we're going to do to you. That's indeed the halakha. All right, that being the case, that's called the idim zomimin. Well, what about uh, uh, other interesting circumstances where you have idim zomimin? For example, you have two witnesses for genevat nefesh. You have two witnesses that uh, beheld... Uh, I don't know, Reuven, stealing, kidnapping another person. You saw him breaking into the house, walking out forcibly with this individual. 
That's the Ginevat Nefesh, two witnesses for that. Now, if you recall, we saw already on Daf Pehe, just a daf ago, just an Amud and a half ago, that the Halakha is that you're not, it's a Pasuk in the Torah, you're not liable per se for mitat henek, for being put to death with strangulation, for kidnapping, unless you both steal, kidnap, and then sell. We even understood that you need to work the person a little bit. That's what you need to be mitamirbo. But for our purposes, you have witnesses, two, that testify that he was gonev, and then two, separately, who say, and then we saw mechiras. You had two people who were walking by the home when they saw the kidnapping. The person disappears in the car, goes off to some other location. And then there are two witnesses who see then the transfer of this person into the reshut, into the, uh, into the possession of another. So that's two separate witnesses. Four witnesses effectively combining to put this person to death. Now, they didn't per se come at once, but they came into court. Two testified about X. The Geneva and two about the Mechira. Now, what happens is all four of them are found to be Aidim Zomimim. All four of them are found to be false conspiring witnesses. Now, again, as a collective, as a group, they're trying to put this person to death. As individuals, they're not really going to be able to pull that off. If it was just on the Geneva, well, there would be Malkot, there would be lashes, but you're not putting him to death. It was just on the Mechira, well, there's also a prohibition, but you're not going to be able to put him to death. What's the halakha going to be in such a circumstance? Again, we say that uh, the halakha is according to the Torah, we do to you that which by your testimony you conspire to do to the other. But by your testimony just for Mechira, for your testimony just for the Geneva, you weren't able to put him to death. It was only hinging on the fact that there were two others. Are we going to do in such a circumstance? That's the question that's debated here in the Gemara. Itmar, Ede Geneva, Ve'ede Mechirat Nefesh. Shehuzamu, they were all found, all four, however so, found to be falsified. Imanu hi'item, be'oto yom, be'makom peloni. You were with us in a different place on the day you testified about. Hizkiya Amar, one of the Emoraim, whose name is Hizkiya, his, his position is, in Neheragim. They would not get put to death. Of course, the debate and question will be why not, but I already began it for you. They don't stand independently, these two witnesses and those two witnesses. They need to work in tandem. Apparently, that's going to cause some sort of issue with regards to what. Say it again. For the Mechira, Nathan makes the claim again, assuming that it was a slave, so then they're not testifying about much at all. Apparently, when they testify, let's assume for the moment, they're, they're knowledgeable, they are privy to the fact that he was already uh, Niknaf. Maybe not, uh, irrespective, again. Oh, but ultimately, so you're asking about Hatra. Let's assume they gave Hatra. In other words, ultimately speaking, they testified to the fact that we saw the Mechira. Why did they know to come into court? Apparently there was words out. I mean, I'm, I'm making it up, but it's not so far-fetched. There was word out, there was a kidnapping. Everybody's on the lookout, and then you found him, and you saw it happen, and you even issued a warning in the moment. Let's assume like that. Hanan disagrees with Hizkiyah, and he says, in even such a circumstance, where each of those two groups were found to be falsified, to be Aidim Zomimin, they get put to death. Hanek, of course, they get put to death. As our Mishnah tells us, they were conspiring 
to get this person chenek. Now the Gemara needs to explain to us, well, what underlies their opinions? And the Gemara touches on a fundamental issue, which most famously appears in Masechet Bava Batra and Daf Nun Vav. A period for now. Uh, so it goes like this. The Torah says, The Torah says that the way you're going to uh, uphold testimony in court is with two witnesses or even three witnesses. But the Torah doesn't just say we listen to the words of two or three witnesses. The Torah says, based on the words of two witnesses or three witnesses, yakum davar, a matter will be upheld. The word davar is the critical, underlined, highlighted word. Why is that the critical word? What's that word mean in context? Yakum davar. Oh, so the understanding, the position of Rabbi Akiva, we're now pushing this back some generations, time in the Mishnah, his general statement, forget about false conspiring witnesses. In any case, if a witness walks into court before accepting them or as listening to their words, we need to, to, we need to determine, do their words stand independent of others? Are their words dependent upon the testimony of others? Meaning, can we only understand and accept their testimony if we couple it with others? If that's the case, says Rabbi Akiva, that's not davar. That's not considered a full testimony. It's not an entity. It's not a matter in and of itself. We say, that's not a good testimony. Why is that a good testimony? You need it to behold and to testify the whole matter and issue that you're, that you're attesting to. If you're only picking up on a portion of it, davar velo hatsi davar. I'm simplifying. Yeah, I'm, they testify on the same matter. That's right. Two that's right. That's right. That's the point. So as a result, here in our Gemara, Hizkiah says, and again, I'm simplifying somewhat because... I mean, the Gemara will make it complicated for us, but all, each case needs to be analyzed and developed and discussed in and of itself. But it goes like this, says Hizkiah, in our issue, there are two separate matters. There's the Mechira and there's the Geneva, out of order. There's the Geneva and the Mechira. The two witnesses on the Geneva, if they are indeed testifying about a kidnapping situation, they can't just testify in the Geneva. They need to testify in the Geneva and on the Mechira. We look at them and we listen to them and we hear, oh, so you saw the kidnapping. Hasidavar. We can't, we, can't, we can't deal with your testimony based on its testimony in and of itself. That's Hasidavar. That's a startling statement. That's how the Gemara maintains, according to Rabbi Akiva. That's what's called davar velo hatsi davar. Whereas Rabbi Yohanan disagreed with Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yohanan's opinion was davar va'afilu hatsi davar. He reinterprets that word davar, reads it not as literally as Rabbi Akiva. Says the Gemara that Rabbi Yohanan is aligning himself with the Hachamim who disagreed with Rabbi Akiva. It means this dispute the Gemara is suggesting, and this is a debate in the Rishonim on our sugya. So why are you talking? about this in the context of do you do kashir zamam? The question was, will we do back to these witnesses as they conspire to do? Oh, what do you mean? If you're telling me now that the whole issue is whether we accept the testimony in the first place, that's the issue. The issue isn't, will we punish them? Entirely? The question is, will we close, tell the stenographer, erase it from the record because we couldn't accept it? It was a hatzidavar or not? 
That's a question that the Rishonim debate as the sugya will develop and might crystallize more. What's that? Because a kidnapping needs to be sold as well. Now you'll have other cases as well. The Gemara, for example, Masechet Bava Kaman, Dafa'ayin Amud Bet deals with uh, the circumstance situation you have in the Torah. In Parashat Mishpatim, the Torah describes that if you steal from a person and you don't admit to it, you have to pay not only the principal, we call that Kedin, but you have to pay double as well. That's the penalty. What about if you sold, stole it and then sold it? You're dealing with an ox, for argument's sake, or a sheep. Uh, you stole it and then slaughtered it. In that circumstance, you have a penalty of either four or five times the value as well of the item you stole. What if you have two witnesses that come on the geneva and then two witnesses who come on the mechira or teviha, the slaughtering of the sale, similar to our sugya over here. The gemara over there in a somewhat parallel situation deals with these two opinions as well. But anyway, that being the case, that's what the gemara suggests. So again, says the gemara, uh, we can suggest perhaps um, that this mahloket between Chizkiyah and Rabbi Yohanan goes as follows, five lines from the bottom. Chizkiyah de Amar ke Rabbi Akiva, de Amar davar velo chasidavar. Rabbi Yohanan Amar ke Rabbanan de Amre davar va'afilo chasidavar. Continues the Gemara and says, but you should know, as I already told you, we're simplifying somewhat because there are situations where even Chizkiyah, Chizkiyah was the rabbi who told us davar velo chasidavar. He's the rabbi who we assume, are assuming aligns himself with Rabbi Akiva, will admit to a situation which you and I might at first glance, oh, you can't accept that. That's two separate matters. He would admit, Ka'avdele. Says the Gemara, let's live, think back for a moment as we're developing and understanding these two opinions, Chizkiyah and Rabbi Yohanan, to a case we talked about, oh, I was going to say not too long ago, but it was pretty long ago, on Daf'ayin Aleph, the Gemara talked about Ben Soreru More. Remember Ben Soreru, we had a whole period called Ben Soreru More. Daf'ayin Aleph, we spelled out the details of how it's done on Ben Soreru More. Here's the situation the Torah describes in Parashat Kitese. If there's a child who's Soreru More, in some way he's rebellious. Now we understood from sourcing, from rabbinic tradition, that it needs to be that the child stole and was specifically involved in indulgence, indulgence of tartimar shel basar, a specific measurement of meat, a specific measurement of wine. He's indulging, overly indulging. All right, why are we judging him? What are we judging him? Well, he stole once, the parents warned him in court, if you recall, Judah uh, rose, uh, brought this to our attention earlier in the Masechet, and then the Gemara is Doresh, and you give lashes to him after the first testimony, warning from the and then there's second witnesses who see again he's still stealing, still doing the same thing. After those second witnesses come, we put him to death. Again, why do you put him to death? And don't ask him so far. We talked about that in the Gemara, did it actually? Old conversation for them. However, Two separate set of witnesses, or one set of what witnesses who testify about the first robbing and the second robbing. Okay? He's not just indulgent, he's not just getting drunk and eating that. He's stealing in order to get it, witnesses number one. Lashes for that, after a warning, right? And then witnesses number two, or same set of witnesses. 
Uh, what's the halacha over there by Ben Sorero More? Do the same set of witnesses need to be present on both occasions in order to, for argument's sake, do ka'asher zama? Meaning, the second set of witnesses are conspiring to get him killed if they're found to be false witnesses. Would we, if we caught them to be false conspiring witnesses, do to them ka'asher zama? Would we get them killed? Says the Gemara, even Hiskiah, who just a moment ago told davar velo davar, only if it's a full matter of testimony. After all, they're on the original testimony, are they not? If there wasn't the first robbing, then the second robbing is insignificant with regards to death penalty. Says the Gemara, even Hizkiah would agree. Why would even Hizkiah agree? One second. Maybe, one second. One second. Let me just fully develop and then we'll deal with it. I mean, the Gemara will, will help us with it. Um, says the Gemara, as a result, that being the case, it's true that it appears to be two separate, but according to Hizkiah, Hizkiah would tell you that the first set of witnesses could, not that they need to, but they could make the claim. Wait, one second, you're coming after us. We testified initially about this person who stole, about this Ben Soren. Our testimony, the first set could say, we were only coming in order to get him lashes. Well, that's all we were interested, that's all we were involved in. We saw him steal, Lotignovu, we just read a few moments ago. You're not allowed to steal. That's what we were looking for to do. That's what we were interested in doing. And as a result, our testimony stands independent of those second set of witnesses' testimony. Now, it's true the second set of witnesses need to build on top of the first set, but ultimately speaking, they're not contingent because the first set of witnesses said, we're not connected to the second set. We're just coming to get lashes. Similar, Tosafot tells us on the Amud Aleph to the following case, the Gemaran Bavakama really raises this case. What if you have two witnesses who come and testify? They say, Reuven is married to Rachel. She's Eshedish. Second set of witnesses come and testify. Rachel had relations with Shimon. Now, in that situation, the only reason you're able to verify that she committed a sin is because you had the first set of witnesses who testified that she's married woman. Oh, it's not a sin per se. Certainly not a punishable by death penalty to, to sin. Uh, that being the case, maybe maybe the same set of witnesses who testify that we saw her marriage and we know she's actually married to him need to be the set of witnesses who testify as well to the fact that she had she committed adultery. It's not so. We say the first set of witnesses stands independently. All they're testifying is about a fact. So too over here. And they, although the second one's build offer them factually, they're not actually connected to the extent that we would call davar velo hatsi davar, and therefore, says the Gemara for Hizkiah, even an opinion who, like Hizkiah, who told us in our case, give me one second, Jared, that you would not and could not get ka'asher zaman if you were the witnesses for just the geneva or just the mechira, he would agree that when it comes to the set of Edim Zomimin, or Edim by Ben Sorero Moret, that we could and would accept their testimony and in turn execute them based on their word. So Jared, you ask if, if, if our case of Genevat Nefesh is the same, you'll have to see the sugya in its continued format in order to appreciate that question. Now the question will be, Jared says, and I, I kind of maybe shouldn't have said those words, I think you heard those words earlier, I said that when it comes to Genevat Nefesh, what if we just saw the kidnap? and we don't see a sale afterwards, what would we do to them? Now, if the answer is we would give them lashes because of Lotignov, even though you didn't fulfill Lotignov to the fullest extent, then we're in identical situations. 
If alternatively, for one reason or another, you don't, keep in mind the Torah doesn't explicitly say over here as it does over there. I'm gonna, I, I got you. I'm, okay, I have to do it now. Already revealed. No, 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 I'll do it now. It's important to do it now so we don't get too confused uh, tomorrow. It goes like this. Uh, we've talked already about the, the concept more than once. We just talked about it on Amud Aleph of En Onshin Elaim Ken Mazilim, which means to say the Torah will not issue a death penalty unless the Torah as well issues a warning separate from that. The Torah says don't do this in one place. In another place it tells you that if you do this you get punished uh, by death. It might even be in a similar place, but it needs to be two separate utterances, uh, two separate statements in the Torah. What about in a situation where the love, the mitzvah lo is punishable by death? And as a result, the Torah has a warning, don't do this. And then separately, the Torah says that if you do this, you get put to death. Stop for a second. What if I did it, but I didn't do it in the complete way, like over here. I stole the life, I kidnapped, but I didn't then get caught on the sale of the very, so I didn't sell. Do I, in such a situation, get lashes? You say, of course you get lashes. You violated mitzvah lo Not so fast. The Torah issued a warning with the understanding that I was then going to get punished by death. Unless you have two separate warnings, one for lashes, one for death penalty, and then to... Okay, but you don't have that. That's what's called the lav hanitan azharat mitat bedin. It's if the Torah tells you not to do something, but it's for death penalty. In such a situation, the halakha, ironically, is in lokin alav. It's an all or nothing situation. As a result, over here, that will be the debate. Are you going to call this a lav hanitan azharat mitat bedin? A lav, a mitzvah lo ta'ase, a prohibition, which is liable to punishment of execution in court. In such a situation, not going to get lashes for it because you don't have the requisite, the necessary azharah in the Torah. Okay, that's not Ben Sorero More, because Ben Sorero More, the Torah explicitly, again, as Judah reminded us earlier, it says, Ve'yiseru oto, that's why it's the Eshidish case. Okay, but the, that's what the Gemara does for us. So the Gemara then said for us the mahlok between Hizkiyan and Biyohanan about if Huzamu, if they were falsified, the Edeh Geneva and the Edeh Mechira separately for witnesses, Two and two. What's the halakha? Hiskiyah and neheragin. Rabbi Yohanan, neheragin. Says the Gemara here at the top of Daf Peva Vamud Bet. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The Rishonim make clear it matters. It needs to be Ede Mechira followed by Ede, uh, uh, excuse me, Ede Geneva followed by Ede Mechira. Yes, for a very purposeful reason which you're touching on. 100% Rashi makes a point of that. So as the Gemara Matkif La Rav Papa. Rav Papa now asks a, a fundamental and, uh, and, 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 and strong question. Ihache Ede Mechira Name. Liktalu mitokshi cholin ede geneva lomar lehalkoto banu. So it might be reminiscent of a question that Jared just asked a moment ago. Says the Gemara, if this is the case that you're telling me just a moment ago, Hiskiyah, you're admit again, I was answering you for what we were thinking initially, what we will ultimately speak and tell you, but the Gemara needs to get there. Says Rav Papa, if you're telling me that according to Hiskiyah, one more time, According to Hiskiyah, in the case of Ben Soreru More, we're admitting to the fact that we can look at these two sets of witnesses as a davar shalem. So why is our case any different? Why don't we say about the Edeh Mechira and Geneva as well, Liktelu, kill them. Mitokshi Cholim Lomar Edeh Geneva, the first set of witnesses can say, Lehalkotobanu. 
Again, that was your question. Why don't we say this? Why don't we? Why do we see this as an? Maybe Hiskia's position is that there is no Malkot along the lines directly of what I answered you, Jared, and that is the reason you wouldn't get Malkot for just kidnapping, don't do it, please. Nobody should ever kidnap, but if you were to do so, you wouldn't get Malkot. Maybe that's Hezkiah's also that, in other words, the Gemara is going to suggest now, again, I told you it's gonna get intricate in regards to the details in the back and forth. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be, we would, we would bring you into court, we'd give you rabbinic lashes, we can't give you lashes according to the Torah. Why not? Again, it's, it's the concept I mentioned a moment ago, it's a lav hanitan azharat mitat betin. Says the Gemara, maybe that's why Hizkiyah distinguishes. On the one hand, when it comes to Ben Sorero More, as I said to you earlier, the Torah says explicitly, you get lashes, that's a warning, that's an issue. When it comes to our situation of kidnapping, the Torah never explicitly says you get lashes. As a result, Lotignov will be maybe my warning. Separately, where we had a Pasuk that told you the death penalty will be my death penalty, but I don't have a separate warning to make the person liable to Malkot. If I don't have a separate penalty to say make him liable to Malkot, I'll say that the first set of wet witnesses on the Geneva cannot and will not stand independent of the second set, says the Gemara, but it's not so. Hezkiah maintains like Jared. Jared maintains like Hezkiah. The opinion of Hezkiah is that if you just had Ede Geneva, you would get Malkot. Who said so? Don't we have another statement with regards to Hezkiah's opinion? If you have witnesses just on the stealing, the kidnapping of a person, they're found to be falsified. Would you know it? It's One opinion says if they just testified about the uh, stealing, the kidnapping, not the sale, they get lashes. And we explained. We concluded that Hizkiah, we'll have to read tomorrow how we concluded so, Hizkiah is the opinion who maintains that you get Malkot. Pause for a second, we're now stuck. I'll tell you why we're stuck. However, we're gonna, it's gonna be details now to define how we know Hizkiah maintains that. If Hizkiah's opinion is that if there's just witnesses on the thievery, on the kidnapping, that you get lashes, even though there's no testimony on the sale afterwards, we should call each of those two testimonies Stealing, the kidnapping, and the sale, davar and davar. They should stand independently, midid dahava, just like the case we had by ben soreru more, ben soreru more. We accepted clearly, the Gemara told us, that Hezkiah would agree that that situation, each stand independent. How do you make that claim? Because the first group, we look at them, we can make the claim, they can make the claim, we're just testifying about him getting lashes. So to over here, that should be the claim. In turn, the Gemara is stuck. How do you explain the opinion of Hezkiah? On the one hand, he's telling me, when it comes to kidnapping, you don't do kasher zamam. These testimonies are not sufficient unless one person testifies about all. When it comes to Ben Soreno More, he seems to distinguish and say each one stands independently because of the threat and penalty of Malkot for just the first group. We'll deal with this tomorrow. Baruch Amen Amen.